Howdy, Rob Lee here from The Truth in This Art, your source for conversations on arts and culture. And I'm here with a special message from my friends, my partners at the Station North Arts District. Station North Art Walks continue all summer, celebrating 20 years of Station North. Join us on Final Fridays as August 26th for a special spotlight on the Greenmount West neighborhood and September 30th for a district-wide celebration. For more information, visit stationnorth.org. Also, coming up, the Baltimore Rhythm Festival returns to the Greenmount West neighborhood on Saturday, September 17th. This free event features local and international artists, workshops, children's activities, open mics, vendors, and much, much more. For more information, visit BaltimoreRhythmFestival.org. Station North Arts District is a program of the Central Baltimore Partnership. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of speaking with an artist, engineer, producer, the, 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 the driving force behind Station North Sound. Please welcome William Herman. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. Thank you for coming on. Um, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. I want to start off with um, this 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 question. It's almost the, the 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 running question is either what are the vital stats? Could you introduce yourself? So in that vein, could you could you tell us who you are and like describe your work for those who who aren't dipped? Well, uh, I am as you said an artist, a producer, and an engineer. I'm based in Baltimore, Maryland. And I work with mainly local independent artists um, in those roles. That means I, uh, I record music, I uh, mix music, I master it, and I also create original productions like the either beats, film scores, cinema stuff, um, or stuff that's going to be transcribed to sheet music and played by, by musicians. Uh, Sorry, that was kind of a, a long no, 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 you're good. side on the uh, the production point. But as an artist, I'm also a singer. I sing on my own beats. I sing on other people's tracks. Um, and I've been I've been doing this since I was pretty young. I uh, first got into audio recording when I had a guitar amp that had a built-in loop function. Um, I was probably about. 12 years old it was like this really crappy guitar amp but it had this amazing feature where you could actually like record yourself and hear it back and i just thought that was so crazy that like i could just instantly hear a performance that i just created a moment ago that otherwise would have just been lost in the ether um and that's just the idea of recorded music has always fascinated and kind of captivated me that's great that's great um i had a I remember I was uh, bumming around one day, and I, I think I've told part of the story before on the podcast, but I was bumming around one day, and uh, I was in high school, and this shows you how nerdy and geeky this is, but I was in high school, and I went to City, and they, you know they had this whole you know advanced, uh, we were covering the classics and things of that nature, but this advanced writing class, and I was trying to impress a girl, and I found this... Like it was this like dubbing machine like outside of an elementary school, <laughs> and it still worked. So I grabbed like a tape, and then I had like some some like really gritty rap beat, and I did like a freestyle that I was in a character. I was uh, I was I think I was recording it as um, Macbeth. 
So it was ridiculous. And, you know, I gave it to my teacher and she played it in the class. I was embarrassed, but also I looked like I was like, oh, you're good. Well, as long as the ghost of Banquo didn't make it onto the recording, I bet. <laughs> nice. I just wanted to use it as an excuse to say out damn spot, just like with the DJ Clue sound effect in the background. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Um, so musically speaking, that's, that, that's that's kind of the the main area where a lot of people know, you know, you, where your work is at, the production, the, the, the artistry side of things and the, the support side of things and in terms of um, engineering and just just all of that. Right. Um, do you have any philosophies that you apply to your work? And if so, what are they? Well, my philosophies about production engineering when I'm in a support role have to do with why I do what I do in the first place. And the reason I love music is because it allows me and I find other people as well to express things that they can't with words Mm. or gestures it's a different medium of communication. It's its own medium. They say talking about music is like dancing about architecture. It's, it's, you know, it's its own thing. And the, the fact that you can communicate things that you couldn't otherwise with music is, uh, is fabulous to me because I think communication's great. I, I think self-expression is like a inherently very valuable thing yeah. and humans benefit a lot from doing that. So with that being the reason I love music, specifically self-expression, communication, I always want to create an environment and experience where the artists can express themselves in the most genuine way possible and the way they feel comfortable and the way they intend um, because that's that's the whole point from my perspective is the expression the actualization of self and uh, the connection that's created with other humans I think that's that's the that's the thing I, yeah that's that's great. I think uh, some of the key words that I heard in there was just this, in paraphrasing, obviously, but, you know, authenticity, being genuine and, and, and having those, those voices being heard, that, that human connection, right? And I think here in Baltimore specifically and working with local artists, we're, we're not always in that spot, at least outside of this region, to get that crossover appeal to be to be heard by a really large audience. So we really have to do our stuff, uh, our stuff ourselves and really be able to build out what we're doing here, build out our voice and be able to communicate with our folks here. And then maybe it grows out, but you have that strong base here. So as a as a creator and as a per- person working within the industry and and having you know station north part of your name you know <laughs> um so so tell me how that's been in working with within the community and really where do you feel like you fit in and offering what do you offer the community like we all offer something i i think i offer um, an outlet for exposure i don't know um and an outlet for conversation intellectual conversation but where do you feel like you fit in and what do you feel like you're you're offering or what have you well uh, I would start by saying I offer a recording studio at an affordable price compared to other studios. Um, I have a lot of really nice equipment that I've slowly collected over the years by flipping and repairing stuff. And um, 
that equipment along with the uh, time I've taken to learn how to use it um, allows me to, to help people create certain kinds of music they couldn't otherwise. I don't want this to get uh, sound like I'm saying you need fancy equipment to make good music because you really don't. <laughs> and I wasn't the first person to say that I've recorded. I, there are two songs on my upcoming project. Anno me that I recorded literally with the microphone in my 2013 MacBook pro. Nice. Like it is, <laughs> it is lo-fi. And I think that kind of stuff is super cool. Um, I also think hi-fi stuff is super cool. And I, um, am just one of a handful of recording studios in Baltimore that have, um, like fancy outboard gear, for example. And I, uh, think that's, that's an important thing to offer uh, and have access to. I also think more important than the gear and even the person who's engineering is the vibe of the space. And I pride myself on curating a space that is like welcoming to everybody and um, is a place where, like I said earlier, people can express themselves and feel like they're hurt. Uh, That's really important to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I mean, people do tell me that I do that. So I I guess I can toot my own horn a little bit, but I'm I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm very, that's my, that's my goal is to be a space where the community and members of the community can express themselves in ways that are rewarding to them. And that's, that's important. Like going back to what I was saying, like, you know, there, it seems like you, you, you might get a, a handful of people who are able to broaden out to really like kind of blow up in a way that is like, Oh, we know you everywhere. What have you? Whereas here, there may be this sense that, you know, the opportunities and it's this notion I've been kind of hearing more and more and more of recently of scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. And, you know, I've come across like your work and you just being out there as, you know, really saying like, look, come through, you know, offering up space when different things were happening in the community, offering up opportunities for people to really have their voice be heard. So I commend you for that. It's like, that's, that's great. And, you know, I think that there is, there's some overlap there. Like, you know, I, again, like with, with this, with doing this, this series, I feel like it came out of people saying, this is what the Baltimore story is. These are who Baltimoreans are. And it's like, nah, I think we can speak for ourselves. I think, I think we know how to speak for ourselves. I think we're, we're good at that. And sometimes we might say it a little bit too real, but, uh, you know, you know, not everybody wants that, but we, we're who we are, who we are. And, um, it's great to see that from your vantage point, that that's a commitment for you and opening up space and, you know, I think the key thing that's there that people often forget is, um, you know, it takes time to learn these things. Like, you know, you were touching on, like, you know how to get li- lo-fi and hi-fi. You know how to work with really high-tech, high-quality equipment, high-cost high equipment, things of that nature. And you can go with something that's like, yo, this is dead tech. You get you getting it going. And kind of the same thing, like being able to use a mixer versus using like a regular like Fast Track Pro and using various applications. That amount of skill and time and knowledge, that's something that's really offered within the community because I think it's almost, it's almost like certain jobs will have you. When people, when there's turnover, it's like you lost that uh, institutional knowledge. And I think we can't lose that within a community, you know? like. How many producers that are really 10 years deep or whatever are floating around 
with the state of art equipment and having this desire to be inclusive, be able to work with the community as a whole, not just one or two people who are popping. That's just my thought. <laughs> I think you're you're spot on that with that institutional knowledge point. I would say to that point, like a lot of what I've learned mm-hmm. about how to be a good engineer and a good producer has come from this community, from the Baltimore community. I've I am like way better than I was ten years ago. <laughs> like I, I would be embarrassed to watch myself do a session right now. Um, <laughs> That's probably not entirely true, but, you know, I've, I've definitely am really grateful for the opportunities I've had to learn and develop my craft as a producer and engineer through this community. And um, I think the other thing that I would say I offer the community, just to t- go back to the last question really quickly, is I, off- I, I, I am never like a robot. I try as hard not to be a robot as possible. That doesn't mean that like, if the artist wants to produce themselves, I'm gonna say no to that. Like I encourage that and I will shut up and press the buttons, but I'm not a robot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I want people to feel like they have an audience in me that cares about what they're saying and cares about what they're trying to express. And even if I'm just one person, I find that like, that can really just like bring out stuff in people. If you just show you're genuinely interested in what they have to say, like people will, will shine and thrive. And I, I, I'm, um, I'm learning every day how to do that better, how to be a better listener, how to be a better audience member for music. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, that is a, a key thing that I think I offer. I'm, I'm committed to listening to you if you come in for a session, you know, I'm really am. For sure. For sure. Uh, you know, I've done some consulting for, for different podcasts and, you know, really being a person that's an advocate for it because it's 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 work that goes into it. People should just think it's not as bad. And I'll put it this way. And I, I would imagine you may have some thoughts on this. I, I know there's a lot of bad podcasts out there. I'm sure there's a lot of like mid producers floating around. It's like, you know, you just you just let that happen, didn't you? You know, you didn't. You weren't a listener at all, were you? And you see it and you want that experience with you and with your approach to be something that, oh, you'll, you'll come back or, oh, you've learned something about that. You've learned something about your work and they've learned something that they can carry on to maybe the next project and things of that nature. I'm not going to lie. I don't think there are a lot of mid producers in Baltimore. I, yeah. The, 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 the producers that I come across in Baltimore that I'm grateful to have come across and learned from, um, are like exotic, yeah. like high grade, high THC content for sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I'm thinking of, yeah, I'm thinking of guys like T Ali, Dewey Lowe, um, Benjamin Banger, Dissentive, That Good Fellows Crew, Talk to yeah. Nobody. Um, I mean, Good Boy. I can rattle off a whole list of people who make beats and make songs with people. Um, produced by Mateo, yeah. uh, who works at a Moose House. Like, there's so many great producers in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there really are. I, I, I think we're like pretty elite, actually. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the, and the, and the thing that makes us good, I think. Um, when we are at our best is our ability to listen, like you said. Okay, yeah, that, that clarifies it then. That, that's, that sorts that out a little bit because 
I like I'm not on that side of it, but now having a better understanding that that's kind of baked in, that's that's great. And I think that that comes from we're very DIY in the city, right? So I think that that comes from it as well as that added value kind of component. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Uh, what do you mean by DIY? Like kind of kind of like do it yourself. Yeah. Right. So like I hear people say DIY yeah. about the art scene in Baltimore a lot. And um, one thing that one thing people mean by that is there's not a big institution behind the art scene. It's yeah. individuals doing most of this as like freelance. That is and that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like sometimes people mean other stuff by DIY or they're not sure what they mean when they gotcha. talk about DIY. It's almost because like, I feel like in 10 years, DIY is going to be like a buzzword used in like some DC developers gentrification scheme. <laughs> it's like, yes. Look how DIY our giant high rise is like it. Like, I can hear it already. When I go about it, I think of, like, kind of applying it to what my background is. Like, you know, while I look at doing it, I, I can't say that I'm professional, you know, in it, despite my intent is that. It's just, like, I don't have that that credential on paper. I haven't worked at a radio station, right? But I think you put in a decade plus, you learn a lot of different things. You learn from different people. And, you know, I've learned from producers at radio stations and things of that nature, but my approach may not be that cookie cutter, that thing that you see. My approach is very much my own. And I would, like, while being very confident in what I do, I'll, I'll describe what I do as DIY, you know? That's one of my favorite ways to yeah. interpret the word, yeah. which is I'm not going to conform to anyone else's standard of what the medium I'm making should be like. I'm going to do what I think it should be like. I, I, I'm so, I think that is very common in Baltimore, and I'm so happy about that. Yeah. I think that's great. People really, especially in music, want to make stuff that sounds like them. They don't care about sounding like Playboy Cardi or Yeet or whatever. Yeah. Like they, they want to sound like themselves. And I, I really think that's great. And I think one of, one of the things that comes in when I do like these like sorts of interviews or what have you or any of these any of the interviews I do, and you kind of get some people who are like, yeah, I'm just going to go through the, the motions. And you have some people like, no, no, hold on, run that back. Let me help me understand that a bit better, which makes the conversation kind of like roll like like differently and make you know adds a different layer to it. And you know, I'll have. You know, there are other things that are out here, you know, other interview types, and other interviewers and so on. And they may ask the customer, so what is the Baltimore sound? And I'm like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? And I'd rather ask them, like, what are the what are those influences that are there? Like, maybe ask those questions that are off kilter, as I was describing to you earlier. I'm going to ask you about your cheese it flavors, man. Like, well, like, what are we doing here? And it, that might go into your process. It's like, look, man, if I'm having a really, you know, uh, what is it, a, a toasty kind of day, and if I'm having a toasty day, my beats are going to be different. If I'm having a white cheddar day, you might be a little bit more strings involved in what I'm doing. <laughs> I uh, I think you're spot on with that. <laughs> let's so, yeah, let's, I, I don't know how how PC we got to keep it or PG-13 regarding the toastiness. But, yeah, I smoke a lot of weed, and I'm happy to do all my beats. Like, um, <laughs> <Who doesn't? laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's... Uh, 
it's but authenticity is always the thing that matters and true authenticity not the whole hey i'll throw a four-letter word out there to make it seem like i'm you know legit or what have you i seem like i gained some credibility it's like what is the conversation you know i've i've joked with people i was like look if you want to get on here the questions are the questions are more of a roadmap for me but if the question if we want to talk about cartoons for 30 minutes it's like look we can talk about cartoons for 30 minutes can you mention your producer one time and move to the next thing and it's, it's really just like you tell the story you know that's really how i look at it and i try to pepper in some stuff that i'm particularly interested in and having i guess intellectual curiosity and that's pretty much it like you know you want to learn what someone's process is but i would imagine you know, as a person that's been doing this for a while, you hear those questions all the time. So tell me, how do you make beats? You know, like that's not anything interesting, but what goes in, what's baked into that process, that might be more interesting. What's baked into the environment that you're in and how being in Baltimore maybe contributes to to what you're doing. So in that, so it's my understanding that you've you know, you're one of those go-to producers or whatever, and engineers in Baltimore. You've worked with the likes of Chaotic, you work for Easy Jackson, and a list of others, <laughs> and I mentioned those two because they both are alumni of this, this this great podcast here. A little self-serving there for you. Tell me about working in Station North and how that's contribute contributed to your your you being in this this district or what have you. Like working here, how has it made you like kind of navigate the district a bit more? Maybe learned and grown as a uh, as a as an entity because you're more than just a producer, you're more than an engineer, you're more than an artist. Tell me about that. Well. The first thing I'll say is that uh, when I actually first started recording and producing in Baltimore, I, I was on the edge of Station North. Okay. I was, not, I was in Greenmount West. I was in the annex about the copycat. So I oh, technically no. should have been Greenmount West sound. Um, just want to be honest about that. Uh, my studio right now is on 21st in Maryland, so I'm right in Station North. You literally are. <laughs> yes. And before that, I was at 23rd in St. Paul. So, yes, I've, I was in, St. I was in Station yeah. North. Um, I really value live performance of music, mm-hmm. um, as in, like, in front of a bigger audience, be it at the Crown, the wind-up space, RIP, the Auto Bar, um, Joe Squared, whatever venue you, you want to go to. There are a lot of venues, and traditionally have been a lot of venues, in Station North. We're always losing them, and new ones pop up. Some DIY, some underground, some more established, some with uh, use and occupancy permits, some without. Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's always been a key part of my experience yeah um that's like a a theme in my experience uh throughout my career here and i i'm i think that's that just being able to go not too far from the studio and see a live show or see a live show and like come back to the studio afterward with some artists or you know some friends i i that's always been a a important part like i never want it to be too far away Mm -hmm. also Baltimore public transportation is bad, and it gets worse the farther <laughs> away you get from Charles Street. This is true. This you is know what true. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so it's always been important to me to be accessible via public transportation. That's one of the reasons I, I like this location. Um, about the – the uh, I also want to say one more thing about, like, the geography of Baltimore. Yeah. And that's that um, 
Baltimore City is like a is on a hill, right? Mm-hmm. It's all kind of sloping down towards the harbor. But there's this like little plateau right around North Avenue that's like stationed north. Yeah. I always thought it was interesting to be kind of like on the landing between two <laughs> two um flights of stairs. Yeah. Like you're kind of catching stuff that's coming down but you're also like pushing more stuff downstream i know it's kind of vague and abstract but just the the physical orientation of the the studio and the space is, has always been something i thought about the last thing i'll say on the station north point is that uh, a lot of my music is could be seen or heard or interpreted as a cityscape mm. my music is foggy street lights foggy traffic lights it's like steam coming up from the manholes it's like mosquitoes and fireflies in the night it's like a city at night that's that's a big theme in my music not all my music is like that i have city in the daytime i have some countryside music but um a lot of my music comes out like and my girlfriend's pointed this out my mom's pointed this out um other producers other artists pointed this out they're like yeah this is like driving on saratoga street by the train station and they're all those like manholes and there's like a back room somewhere where people are doing a numbers game like that's what your music sounds like as a as a beat maker as an artist as an engineer or a producer i do all kinds of music but for my own stuff that's often what comes out and i think having literally had my studio and worked out of this neighborhood has influenced me in that way like i just am creating what i'm seeing it's just sound instead of instead of vision that's thank you for sharing that observation that's that's dope and i I like i like what you you said there about just kind of being accessible in the sense of go there you maybe absorb something you maybe add to that creative diet if you will and being able to be able to quickly get back to your space it may be some leftover fog like oh man i, I observed something now nah, i got hit with the the creative holy ghost let me get this down real quick and as a person that i bring a notepad with me when i go to places um, i always have something in my ears either it's audio books geared towards like how do you relate to people how do you ask these sorts of questions and it's going to spark something the mind is always going. So when you're absorbing something, you, you know, you have to be able to get back to that home base. So I, I'm recording this from my normal home studio, but, um, my like away from home studios in station North is that big improv. So I pop over there real quick. Let me get this interview real quick, man, where you at? Come on over. And it just, it just feels like their performance aspect is there because it's an improv space. I get hit with that. Like, Oh, let me, amplify this let me add a little bit more to this let me be a little bit more animated and let's let's really engage in this conversation versus asking like here's some questions let's keep it flat let's keep it normal but you know amplifying it a bit more you know i that's so interesting um that you talk about physical space for the podcast uh because i wonder how we would even categorize the physical space we're in right now it's over zoom it's like i'm in one physical space you're in another physical space we're meeting in this virtual space freaking crazy man sorry that that really didn't have to do with anything no 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 No, it's it's, uh i I think here's what it had to do with it had to do with 
the because podcasting for you is, is a craft mm-hmm. you're you know you're kind of craftsman you're developing it and you have developed it for a long time um and you make this this kind of boutique artisanal interview experience and in a similar way that i make music in uh, in that way and you're pointing out the influence of the physical space you're in when you do that on that process like that is all art all communication really like all like life mm-hmm. is heavily influenced by the physical spaces we're in yeah. um and that's that's one of the reasons I think recording studios will always have a place in music because you can say, and you hear this all the time. Oh, everyone's got like a cheap interface or a cheap laptop microphone. And can anyone can just make a song on their phone? Yeah, of course. Like that, (laughs) there's no denying that. Like that's true, but that doesn't mean that a dedicated space for that is not valuable either Correct. because just having a place you can go where you know lots of other people have in the past created in there and you can kind of get their like residual spiritual energy or whatever mumbo jumbo you want to call it (laughs) you know and knowing that that's what you're there to do Mm-hmm. I, I think is like a fantastic thing and it helps more people. I think more good music gets created. If people have spaces, they feel comfortable dedicating their time to doing that. in. Um, mm-hmm. that's just, that's my theory, you know, and so far I've managed to stay in business. So it's, no, I, but, it's bearing out to be true. I, I think it's good to have, dedicated spaces for things but it's also good to like record on the run like i love doing that too yeah 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 every space is going to influence like like i was saying every space is going to influence the art and the communication in some way mm-hmm. yeah the i have the um i'm down to my my i have this mobile equipment i have this uh like uh, pod track joint that's super small i can fit it in a fanny pack and now i have lavalier mics so literally i can put my whole set like I can put four of them joints in there. All I need to have is some batteries. The whole setup is in there. I've conducted some of those um, interviews. Um, like people's like, hey, can you come to my space and do this interview? I was like, yeah, sure. Like that's maybe where they feel the most most comfortable. But you know, as I'm recording in my space and you're recording in your space, it's I would imagine that you've done work, you've done production in your space. That's that's your recording space. And my second bedroom is my like I've converted it into my studio. So like this is specifically for that purpose. So in a very remote way, we're in what our, our spaces is to do our creative practice. And it's like this means business. You know what I mean? That, that's that's the way that and it kind of hits for me. Um, so I got like two more real questions. And then I got some rapid fire questions for you. All right. Um, so now you answered that already. So that's good. Um, so I, I hear that the studio can have outtakes and odd occurrences. <laughs> Do you have like an experience that really sticks out? You're like, okay, yeah, this was weird. This is where a dude had to like do a song and he was, wasn't wearing pants or something. Do you have, do you have a scenario that was like, this is wild, Well, we got it done. You know, like tell me about any, any weird like stories from the studio. When you say you've heard that funky stuff can happen <laughs> in the studio, 
Are you referring to my studio? Just studio, just studio general? generally, more okay. manually speaking. Right. Yeah, 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 I just wanted to get that straight. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't know if I had a reputation that was like, no. there are all sorts of strange things going on at Station Art Sound. I don't know. <laughs> no, not at all. But I mean, uh, I, like, you'll hear, like, um, like, I just remember I did an interview with somebody and um, they just got on and they were super zooted. And I was like, are you <laughs> are you just smoking? Is that just what this interview is? Or I remember once at the um, at Big Improv, like I had some guests come over there for an interview and they came in with bottles of tequila. They were lit. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun interview. No questions are going to be answered here. It's just going to be just just riffing. And that's literally what the interview became. So I'm t- talking about something like that. You know what I mean? Well, that specifically is common in the recording studio. Not going to hold you. Like, I think alcohol as a social lubricant helps people be more comfortable. Obviously, in moderation, that's very important. Yes. Um, as with other substances, and uh, that's 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 not a. I don't think that's a weird thing for my studio at least. So uh, let me try and think of something that really stands out. But it's really about context, right? I think there are actually a lot of things that sure. if you mention them from a given set, you could pick any given session I've had. Yeah. And there's probably at least a couple of details about what was done that if you take it out of the context of the session, you're like, that's bizarre. <laughs> like, that's weird. <laughs> like, what were you example, doing? <laughs> for example, like, I dance super, like, silly. Like, in, Sometimes it's like partially intentional, but it's mostly not intentional. But like, that's just how I dance. And like, I love dancing if that's what the music is, is like going to do to me and, and to show that I'm listening, like, and I'm being moved by it. I'm interacting with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think if you just looked at me sitting in my chair, because like I'll be in all sorts of weird positions. I got one hand on my, like my control surface, one hand on my mouse, yeah. and I'm like also like looking over into the booth or back if we're recording in here. I I think I just look. I think I'm the my physical presentation is probably the con- most consistently bizarre thing. Um, I, I, I I do. I see pictures of me in the studio. I look like some sort of like cross between a ladybug and a tarantula. I don't know because <laughs> you know I got the beard down. Um, I, I'd say I, I get myself into some silly silly positions and silly dance moves in the studio. That's that's my answer for that one. That's that's great. That, that's um. Uh, similar to me if I'm like in the market and you know how you know how they're playing it's like, oh snap it's eighties hour hell yeah and I remember it was some um was, this is this is gonna be ridiculous. It was some some song by Go West called like Call Me. And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like in the like uh, cracker aisle have you just getting loose <laughs> and it was just like some older lady she pops up behind me in the line as I'm you know cashing out Wegmans and she's like Silo cute dance moves back there and I was like shit <laughs> I was like, look, and I'm like 6'4", so it's embarrassing. It's like a lot of body just moving around next to the Ritz. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not as tall as you, but, you know, I got, I got some, some some thickness, so I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like a lot of body. Like, if I'm dancing, you're going to see it. Like, it's no hiding. It's so, yeah. Like, it's, it's in the room. If you're in the room, you're going to notice. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Like, it's just like, yo, who is that bear in the corner dancing? Like, why are you here? Um. So this is the last real question I have. Uh, so 
for for you, if one comes to mind, has it been a life experience that really has like shaped your creative sensibility? And you you know you may have kind of alluded to it, touched on it very early on in the podcast. But what comes to mind, like? I, I and this question came up um, after speaking with someone who has a background in theater, and kind of like brought this story out that she had. She reminded me of it when I was a kid. I was like a master's of ceremony. I was like five and on stage and just being able to do the whole thing. Now I'm like terrified of that, but now just doing it then and always having this this interest as a kid of here's these things you should probably know about sharing little details about movies and things of that nature and this is a version of it like you don't know about you don't know about station no sound why you don't know about station no sound so that's kind of a thing for me and being able to present it and amplify it and like introduce this to a broader audience that's what i think in some ways has shaped me of who i am at 37 versus who i was at like maybe five so for you what would be an experience that has helped shape you creatively I don't, I don't, I, I kind of want to keep it real, to be honest. And it, might, it might get a little dark. Please um, do. Some of my music is very dark, so um, I guess it shouldn't be surprising. I was not diagnosed with ADHD until I was 22, 27 now. Oh. And um, I did really well in school for a long time because I was smart, but I always struggled and with certain things like organization, homework. And um, when I graduated high school, I went right to college. I went to a fancy college in Massachusetts called Amherst, Amherst College. And um, it's a really great school. And I had a terrible time there and it didn't have much to do with the school or the people there. They were all great. It had to do with me and my mental health. And I had put on academic probation. I had to take time off. I had to do classes at other colleges. Um, and it was just a whole thing. And after a point I was like, fuck it. Like, I don't want to do this. Um, I, I, it's killing me. Uh, I am not happy and I'm not, I'm like barely surviving. I need to do something different. And so I moved back to Baltimore and I started making beats again and I hadn't made beats for a long time. I had made beats when I was early, like in middle school. I was probably the age of like 12 to like 15. And then I took a long break from it and concentrated on other things for whatever reason. Um, for a long time, I was really interested in SLM. And this is one of the reasons actually being easy bond is because I really like public policy and politics. That's like my other thing. It's not common for musicians to be really into that, but I am into government policy and how it affects people's lives. That's like something that I care about and think about a lot. Um, and obviously easy does too, you know, he's, he's really the goat with that. Um, back to the story. I thought I wanted to like be a lawyer or like a, I don't know, a work in a think tank for a long time. And when I dropped out of college, basically I was like, look, this isn't going to work out. What, should I, what, what the hell am I going to do? Right. And I started making beats again in this period of like incredible depression and um, like self-rejection and that, that experience of like, and then, and then I like sent them to some people. I like played them for some people and just the reactions I got, like, it was like, Oh, like, cause I would tell people I was depressed or I would tell people I was sad or I was disappointed or things weren't working out for me the way I wanted them to. But then when I played them the music, it was like, it hit them so differently. 
Like they were really able to understand me. And that, that experience, I think really cemented in my brain that music can really help people express things they need to express in order to feel heard that, that they can't otherwise, or they're, they're not able to otherwise. And that's, I think super important because that helped me get through that time in my life. And that was very important. So, um, Sorry to make it, you know, I don't want to end on a dark note. No, it's no, not no. a dark note, you know. I'm I, I'm I'm honestly super grateful that I had music and that I had um, you know, the wherewithal to even do that. And I'm grateful for the people who listened to me early on uh, and listened to my stuff and said it was good. Um uh shout out Matt at Mobtown. Uh he's he's an engineer that's always and producer and he's actually a drummer himself. He's one of the first people that I ever worked with who was like, Yeah, actually your beats are fire. Oh. Like, oh okay. That's cool. That's that's great. That's um big and uh oh I you know uh yeah, I'm 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 around a very similar scenario that you're you're describing then uh I think once this episode drops, um, the person's going to listen. I'll make sure they listen to it just to get that kind of feedback there in a school situation. And, you know, they're, they're having having some of those things and not really feeling like we're, where they want to be. And it's like, well, maybe that's not your thing right now. Maybe your thing is something else. And you'll be, it's going to be fun. You know, literally, that's what it is. And uh, um, as a person who... I always joke about this being my most stable and longest relationship doing this whole <laughs> podcast journey. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a point where going back, um, it was another podcast that I was doing. I was super depressed. This was about like 10 years ago. Wasn't sure what my identity was, you know, depersonalization, the whole thing. I was so attached to what my job was and what my career was. And when that whole thing is taken from you, you feel like you've lost part of yourself. And, uh, so it's, it's good to hear that, you know, it's good to hear that you were able to find this thing that you dug making, making music, making beats and getting that feedback from someone that, you know, you had a, have a connection with. And yeah, that's, that's cool. Not dark at all. <laughs> the, the tone goes down. So that's funny, but not dark at all. Um, but now it's going to get stupid. Um, so <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so I got some rapid fire questions for you. Um, I got five of them. And you know how rapid fire works. We're we're not looking for those long, drawn out answers. We're just looking for top of the mind what hits. Um, all right. What's that number one trait that you value in friends? Loyalty. Last movie you watched? The new Batman. Nice. <laughs> uh, crunchy or creamy? Crunchy. Okay. Definitely. Uh, like side, 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 side quest here. What kind of what kind of jelly with that? Ooh, I I'm a preserves guy. Okay, what flavor preserves? I, like, I would say orange marmalade. Really? Yeah, huh. I like with like pieces of orange in it. I like the preserve. I like. I also like ra- oh, raspberry. Uh, maybe I should have said ra- raspberry might be my top actually. Okay. With like little like raspberry in there. That's yeah, yeah. that's that's the move. I'm, I, I usually go with the if I'm going chunky, I'm going to go uh, strawberry preserves. Great, yeah, yeah. great choice. Because you got you got to have the texture. But if you go creamy, yeah, but that's the thing. I oh okay. What's what's your move with the creamy? It's it's got to go just classic, just jelly, just just straight grape jelly. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. With white bread with no crust, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, toast points just at an angle. Make sure it's ninety degrees. It, anything less is uncivilized. Like, what are we doing? Uh, and definitely, if I can get like, if, if we're talking jelly, right? Purely, if you get in a biscuit, 
always has to be great gentlemen. Let's just let's just keep it. Let's just be gentlemen. Let's be gentlemen and shake hands. Like what are we what are we doing here? Um, this, this is another food one because I am a foodie. I this 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 month that we're recording this is a lot of food interviews is going out this month. So call it what it is. Goldfish or Cheez Its? Goldfish. <gasps> Blasphemy, Philistine. I mean, I don't love either of them. Okay. Uh, I am kind of a snob when it comes to my crackers. I am not a snob when it comes to a lot of food. Uh-huh. I will eat just about anything. But <laughs> cracker snob. <laughs> I am a I am a cracker snob. I great. like because it I, it's something that I've I've done since I was like. In college, and I have my own mini fridge. Yeah. I've kept like I I like actual cheese, absolutely. My crackers, and like I I always have it on hand. I've got it in the studio. Like I've got, I, I've got some. You know, I actually have some some um, grated pecorino romano, and I have some some gouda, some yeah. goat. Actually, it's goat gouda, yeah. and uh, it's it's great. Like I'm I'm a cheese. I like actual cheese on my crackers. I don't like yeah. my crackers. Coming with baked in orange flavor. Stop it. We're, we're, uh, we're going to have a deep cheese conversation because I'm, I'm the type of dude that'll go to the Whole Foods, drop like a hundo, want some cheese, and like, yo, we're doing an archicoutery plate. So let's, let's, Foods, let's make it happen. Whole Foods cheese bar kills my bank account, man. Mm-hmm. Kills it. Mm-hmm. That is, that, I mean, it's like, you can't walk out of Whole Foods. I have a hard time walking out of Whole Foods spending less than hundred dollars too. Always, like it's, always. It's it. And like you, you look at, you, you're like, wait, I got one bag of groceries. <laughs> they pack <laughs> it so well, you know. Yeah, I spent freaking a hundred dollars. This is not sustainable. Uh, but so th- this is this is the last one. This is the last one. Um, so um, aside from, well, actually, you know, I'm, I'm gonna throw this one out there. It's it's an old like I think rap reference or what have you. Who gets the props? If there was uh-huh. like one person you want to like signal out, it's not they're better than anyone else, but who's one person that you like? You know what? I'm gonna shine a little light and give a little love to this person in Baltimore. Who would it be? I'm gonna say two guys I've been making music with lately, who've um, I've really connected with, and I'm really happy with what we're doing. Chris Cassius and Vlad. I'm gonna shout them out. I think they're dope. I think. I think. Chris Cassius and Vlad have the best bars in Baltimore. Okay. Like they that they are the best bar for bar rappers in Baltimore. They also happen to be like incredibly genuine friends and people. And um so shout out to them for that. Maybe a conversation that needs to be facilitated with a noble podcast in East Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that to you to, to sort out. Uh, <laughs> we can definitely get that happening. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for all I had. Um, but one, I want to thank you for coming onto this podcast, sharing your story and telling us about your work and all. And two, I want to invite you and encourage you to um, tell the fine folks where to check your workout, check you out, all of that good stuff. Well, um, thank you so much for having me, Rob. Uh, when I plug myself, I will say um, my handle on Instagram is at Station North Sound. I have a website I'm currently redesigning. It's not that good, but it's StationNorthSound.com. My email, yes, StationNorthSound at gmail.com. Uh, and again, name of my business is Station North Sound. <laughs> my name is William, though. 
Um, I go by Will, William. Just don't call me Bill or Billy. Uh, anything else is cool. Uh, and I really uh, appreciate this opportunity, Rob. So thank you. Absolutely. This is this has been great. Um, the same way that you don't like to be called Billy, I do not like to be called Bobby. Can't do it. Can't do it. Someone called me Bobby. I was like, look, man, I got a knife in my pocket. We can, we can have, we have a different conversation. Not like, the like, knife. Not, not getting pointy with it, Bobby. Like, Uh-oh. All right, Bill. For Bill and Bob's excellent adventure. Uh, so for William Herman of a Station North Sound, I am Rob Lee saying that there is music, art, community in and around your city, Baltimore specifically. You just got to look for it.